Hello everyone and welcome to the In The Saddle podcast. My name is Chris Loder and I'm your host this week and I'm joined by my guests Mark Koroski, Paul Callahan, and Liz Batchelor. This weekend we are going to be previewing the main ITV races at Newbury Market Raisin and we're also taking the Irish Oaks at the Curra. But before we get stuck into this weekend's action, let's see how everyone is. Mark, I'll come to you here first. You've not been on the podcast for a little while, but how are things? Yeah, things are great. Um, good to be back. It's been busy with work um some content stuff but yeah good to be back looking forward to this weekend racing yeah it looks like it's not a bad weekend and liz how about you you're going to newbury on saturday yep off to newbury well there's yeah some good racing on but also craig david is playing after which is always a bonus um but i will be there yeah that is going to be the main highlight of the day i'm sure and how about you paul uh work keeping you busy yeah, busy, kept going, uh, loving it, trying to stay cool now at the minute, but um, it's pretty warm over here, not as warm as you guys are having it over there, mine. Yeah, you are saying it was 22 degrees Celsius, I think many people in the south of England would take those temperatures at the moment compared to the, the high 30s we might get next week, but enough about the weather, let's get into the racing then. Um, the first race we are going to look at is on Saturday at Newbury. It is the 150 Bet365 Stakes, registered as the Stevenson Stakes. We've only got the five runners here, but Catalag is your favourite for Kellen Philippard de Foy at 6-4. We then got Grocer Jack at 11-4, Finest Sound at 4s, Desert Encounter at 11-2, and Tasman Bay at 15-2, the outsider of the field. I'll come to you here, Paul. Uh, Cadillac used to be uh, previously trained by Jessica Harrington was a very promising horse. Um, do we think he can transfer that form now he's over in England? Yeah, I think so. I think he can. I'm going to take him on uh, for the reason I thought he got quite worked up before his, his debut, stable debut for at, at Royal Ascot. I've gone with Grosser Jack for William Haggis and Tom O'Quinn's. Was fourth in a group two at Shanti at the beginning of June. His last win came at Hoppergarten when trained by Waldemar Hicks. That was in Group 3 company. I think he's an intriguing runner here and represents a top team. So it's Grocer Jack for me. Okay, so Paul's going to side with the William Haggis trained Grocer Jack. And how about you, Liz? Are we in agreement with Paul like you were a couple of weeks ago or are you going your own way? No, I am in agreement with Paul. It's Grocer Jack for me too. Um, he's running in the UK for the very first time and it's his third run for, for William Haggis. Um, and all of his previous runs have been either in Germany or France, and um, just what the one run in over in Saudi. Um, he's actually picked up a couple of yeah, Group Three wins in Germany for Voldemar Hicks and uh, a few places in Group One and Two events. Um, but like as Paul said, his, his last run was over in in France in Chantilly, where he came fourth. Um, he didn't he didn't disgrace himself, I don't think. Um, and he'll do the distance, not a problem. Um, he's he's not been raced on anything firmer than good, um, but I think he could make his mark in this listed event. Yeah, that French form doesn't look too bad. It's taken a couple of boosts, so I can see why you're siding with Grocer Jack. Are we going to make it hat trick mark, or are you looking elsewhere? I actually thought it was a really bad, poor t- turnout for this grade. Um, so you got the chance to get a black type. But what I actually like is um, I quite like Sir Mark Todd's um, Tasman Bay here. The stable's 50% at the moment, one from two. It'll come on for that run at Ascot last time out, um, stepping down in grade. Again, it's just unfortunate. Um, we don't have eight runners here. It'd be perfect for an each way. But I'll go with um, Sir Mark Todd's Tasman B each way. That's how I'll play this one. Yeah, he was an interesting horse. Probably needed that run last time out, but 
on his best form, he's certainly got a chance at this level. I thought it was a particularly trappy race. Um, I thought Finest Sound and Desert Encounter was interesting. I thought Desert Encounter might just need the run, so I probably would just edge towards Finest Sound. Always been a very uh, consistent horse. Probably is a step up for him in this listed event, but I thought with it being a small field, I thought that would suit him. And I know he's got a very good attitude in the finish, and I thought if it could be uh, one of those tactical affairs, I thought he might be able to nick it. So, yeah, he's my selection in the race. So we're all in disagreement there. Paulin is, though, are in agreement there with Grocer Jack. Um, I'm with Finest Sound and Marks with the outsider Tasman Bay. We then go to the next race at Newbury on the card there, the 221, the High Clear Castle Gin Cup Stakes, Class 2 Handicap, and Going Gone is your favourite 3 to 1. We then got Rashoon at 9 to 2, Rock Eagle at 9 to 2, um, Diamond Bay at 5s, Withhold, who's the previous winner of this race at 13 to 2, and Bigger are the rest. I'll come to you here first, Liz. Uh, again, quite a tight little race, um, but how are you seeing it? Yeah, so there's obviously only eight in this, and I think it's really competitive with all horses showing a bit of form in their lifetime. Um, but I am going to the top of the weights with um, Roger Charlton's withhold. Um, now, he hasn't won since August 2020, um, but he last came out five weeks ago, coming six or seven at Chester. But that was his first spin out this season, so I think that can be forgiven. Um, last season, he's picked up a few places in listed races, and, and I mean in rules races, he's made 355000 in prize money. Um, and he has just, um, he has come a length behind to Trushan in the past. Um, he likes to lead and he always tries to hang on as hard as he can, but sometimes he just fails to do so. But I think back being at two miles um, will be interesting to see. Um, but as I said at the beginning, I think it's really competitive. So it'd be interesting to see how this one plays out. Yeah, I like Withhold. He's been a good horse for these connections over the years. I think he previously won a Cesarevich when he landed a gamble. I remember when he won this race as well, a Northumberland plate winner. So he's been around the block, and some of his form last year wasn't bad. He actually finished um, third in this race. So, yeah, I think he's going to be likely to be on the premises. Uh, how about you, though, Mark? How did you see this race? Uh, quite a tricky one to solve. Yeah, we'd just be hoping that the, the eight runners turn up on Saturday so we can get the three places. I think going gone... Um, what price is this one at the moment, Chris, on your end? Um, seeing three to one, three to one favourite outright. Yeah, yeah, three to one. I'd, I'd probably expect this one to drift, if I'm being honest with you. I think it was an eye catcher at Ascot last time over the extended trip, but I think this one looks too high in the weights for me. Uh, stable one from 24, Jim Boyle. Um, I mean, there's one I actually like. It's course and distance winner. I did have a look at withhold as well. But actually, I like Rainbow Dreamer of Alan King's. This one's coming down in the weights. Course and distance winner, fourteen pound below the last winning mark. Eight lengths behind Trushan in the front of them play. No concerns being back on turf. Holly Doyle booked. What price is this one at the moment on your end? Uh, nine to one. Yeah, listen, I think nine to one's a fair price. You get the eight runners. I think nine to one's a real fair price. I think this one it could potentially be really well handicapped, where others are going the wrong way. Yeah, he's definitely very well handicapped. He's coming back as well, second run after a wind up, which by some people was seen as a positive. So, yeah, he's definitely thrown in um, on his all-weather form and off here from Mark 91. Well, one thing as well, Chris, I'm not sure about the, the step back and trip for going gone. Like, I don't know if this is a real versatile sort. They keep moving this one up four furlongs, down six furlongs. I mean, I think two mile four, two mile five is probably the perfect trip. So I'm not even sure two miles is what this one wants long term. I think the reason he's probably favourite is because it was a good run last time out and that form has been franked by the winner, Cole Train, who, who went on to win at Sandown in his next start. He won a listed race. So, so the form there 
is pretty good. good. I find with these ones is one, horses that were unlucky usually last time out find trouble. They're usually over bet next time out, and again, this one's three to one. It's like fast track to the to the graveyard, in my opinion. Yeah, he's definitely taken a bit too much in the market, you could argue, but he's got the right profile to maybe continue progressing. But how about you, Paul? Are we in agreement here with going gone? Uh, not with him? I've gone with Arifaris, who was fifth in the, in the Northumberland plate when last seen. Was second in a similar event over course and distance back in April off a handicap mark of 82. Lines up here off 84 and has a handy weight of 8 stone 5, which I think given the heat conditions could well play into his hands here. So I've gone with a reference for Andrew Balding and Haley Turner. Yeah, so we're all, again, uh, siding with different selections. Uh, Mark is quite keen to take on going gone, and his selection is main selection is Rainbow Dreamer. Me and Liz are in agreement with, with Hold, and Paul likes that Andrew Bolden trained Auriferous. Okay, so that's that uh, second race at Newbury covered. We then go on to the 256, which is the Bet365 Hackwood Stakes. It's a group three contest. This looks very competitive. A lot of interesting horses in the mix here. Um, Mark, you can have first say here. Minzow is actually your current favourite for the race. A class horse on his day, but he needs to bounce back. Um, did we have a particularly strong opinion in this race? And this is a really competitive race, real tricky. Um, there's one I want to take a chance on here, right? Um, there is a couple of old favourites in here that gave us a, a couple of good turns, right? But I'm going to go for Martin Mead's method. We remember this one done us a good turn on debut, winning winning by lengths on debut. Has course and distance form. I think that was a decent run last time out. 22 to 1. I think this one could potentially, it's got a little bit, maybe a little bit of Steve off 104. It was quite disappointing as a three-year-old. Again, it's coming down in the weights. It was only beating what a left behind Russell last time I was sand down. And it was probably on the wrong part of the track as well. So I think Meth is overpriced here. Oshinor booked as well, which is a positive. Yeah, no, that he definitely is. Um interesting race, I think, from for him. Um to step back up and trip. I'm not sure it's gonna suit. Uh, even though he was riding last time out, it was a bit of a messy race, I thought, Sandown. But yeah, Method 28 to 1, why not? Could be a good each way selection and you'll get multiple places on the day. Uh, Paul, how about you though? Um, You've got Happy Romance in here who won the race last year. Some other good horses, Um, but who are you siding with? I'm going to take a chance on Rohan for David Evans and Holly Doyle. Was uh, a good winner at the Wokingham at Royal Ascot when last seen. Might just get a bit of more confidence from that win. And um, I think if none the worse from his, his exploits at Royal Ascot, I think can make a bold bid to, to follow up here. So it's Rohan for me. Okay, so Paul is going for the Wokingham winner, Rohan. And how about you, Liz? Um, you've got the final say on this race. Um, well, I'm going to cheat and choose two. So one for the win and one for each way value, I think. So um, the win is for favourite Minzal, um, who... Yeah, ran in the Platinum Jubilee Stakes. He came 12th, where they obviously all nearly finished bunched together. Um, and he did win last year's Group 2 Jim Crack. It was actually his last recorded win. So something tells me he's due one. And he has kind of moved down in in, in class. In class. Um, now, my each way fancy sides with Mark um, in terms of method. And I base that purely on his last run at Sandown. Um, where he was behind Racel and Mitbahi um, in the group two. He wasn't a million miles away, and that was over five furlongs where he did keep on, and obviously this is over six furlongs. Um, so, yeah, just want to take another look at, but purely for each way value. Okay. So, yeah, two for me. 
Okay, so we've got two um, positives for Method. Um, yeah, I thought, again, like I say, you can come in this many angles. I thought Happy Romance probably should be favourite. Um, she's won on this card the last two years. She won the Super Sprint. She won this race last year. I think Newbury is an ideal track for her, and I think the race will be run to suit. And she gets the Phillies allowance as well, which will definitely come in handy. And the one I will also give a shout for at a bigger price, I keep putting him up, he keeps running okay, is St. Lawrence. Um, he was a real eye catcher last time in the um, in the King's Stand Stakes, over five furlongs. Uh, he didn't get uh, the clearest of runs that day, um, but the blinkers seemed to work, and I think he just found it a little bit on the sharp side. He's got a good form of this track. He previously uh, finished second in the Greenham. He's a previous course winner as well, so he'll really like this track. And again, I think the race will be run to suit for him, and I thought 28-1 with Roger Varian's team going very well, and Andrea Azani has been riding well too. I thought he was overpriced, and for the extra places, I thought there was a bit of value to be had with him. So we're all in uh, disagreement once again. It's the way it's going on this podcast this week, but plenty of alternatives in that race. So let's um, move on to the next race, then we're going to look at, which is the last race at Newbury. It's the 330, the Weatherby Super Sprint Stakes. Absolute minefield in here. Richard Hannon's got a particularly good record in this race. Uh, Paul, we'll come to you here first. You can have a few darts if you want. Um, who did you like in the Super Sprint? Oh, I've gone with, with the Ed Walker train, Union, Union Court, whose chance had gone with missing the break in the Windsor Castle at Royal Ascot when last seen. He won on both starts prior to that at Leicester and Chepstow, respectively. Should find life easier here, and I think if she gets away on the terms, she should be in the mix. So Union Court, I'm with here. David Prober takes the bat. Okay, short and sweet for Paul Union Court. That form has been framed by Rocket Rodney, so yeah, maybe she breaks away on terms this time out. Uh, she could be a major player. How about you, Liz? Uh, you can have a couple of darts if you want. Uh, I've only gone for one, but I guess what may, for people that maybe don't know, this race was designed for horses sold as yearlings by a public auction for less than a specified price, and the weight's determined by its sale price, with a pound deducted for each £5,000 below the maximum value, and it was devised by Richard Hannon Sr., so it's no wonder that the Hannons have an excellent record in it. Um, there's been 30 run-ins of it, and the Hannons have won it 11 times. Um, so it's only right that I go with a Hannon horse, I think, and he's got five. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, the filly that is Miami Girl, who ran on really well at Windsor three weeks ago in a class two. She's drawn 16, but to be honest, there isn't much of a draw bias in previous run-ins of this race. Um, and she tried a group two Queen Mary Stakes coming fifth at 21 at Royal Ascot at 25 to one. And I think she might turn that form around with Maria Bramwell, who finished third in that um, two. So Miami Girl for me. Okay, Miami girl for Liz. And how about you, Mark? Yeah, I think this is quite competitive. I think Rogue Spirit around three to one is pretty short. It's the one and egg and spin race last time out. I think it's what, five days on, six days on at Wolverhampton. Don't actually think that form is that great. Um, one I actually like a price. This one's currently thirty-three to one in the sports book. Is Ismail Mohammed's one more for luck? This one done a bit of a shock. At him, it was false last, 125 to 1 winner. I don't think that was a fluke. I think it deserves its chance in this grade. Um, obviously, he's running off top way here. Um, has to give Liz's selection, Miami Girl, a pound, the rest of a couple more. But the yard of line at the moment, 25% strike rate. And you got the man of the moment, uh, Rob Hornby, on board. I think 33 to 1 is a massive price. Um, I know Denise Coates has given a bit of value there, five places. So he'd be hoovering that up, I think. Yeah. 
Why not? It's, it's, it's one of those funny races that sometimes the favourites can turn up and they are are superior in the market has it right and then sometimes you do get a few big price winners so yeah why not have a, a go at a big shot i actually quite liked one in here for richard Fahey who won this a few years ago with bengali boys um i quite liked his dare to hope i think this one's actually been laid out for this race um it's been brought along quite slowly one on debut at nottingham in a race that worked out really well he beat uh, rocket rodney from the second in the um in the Windsor Castle Stakes and has subsequently won a listed race, beat True Statesman as well from Mark Johnston's yard. That that form's worked out quite well. He beat a lot of good horses on his debut. He then went to Ripon and I just don't think he handled the track. And that was over six as well. I think over five furlongs, I think he's a real tool at this trip. And yeah, he's, he's got a nice weight of eight stone 11. So he was the way I'm seeing it. But plenty that you can make chances in here for. And hopefully we've pointed you in the direction of uh, some value. Okay, so that's um, Newbury covered. We're now going to go for a bit of jumping action at Market Raisin. And we are going to go to the feature race on the card there, which is the 314. It's the Union Bet Summer Plate Handicap Chase. Plenty in here with a chance. I'll come to you first, Liz. Um, summer jumping, are we a fan of it? And uh, did you have one here for the listeners that they can get stuck into? Well, as it's, yeah, it's just good to see that we're back talking about real racing. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, but I must mention that I do think, on a serious note, I think two mile five over fences in the weather that we're going to expect on Saturday is a slight concern. Um, but, um, yeah, look, looking at it, I, I am going to go um, for Emma Lavelle's Man of the Mountain, who's got some good form in graded races. He won a grade two in April 2021 at Cheltenham and, and running in good company after that. He was last seen only in May, coming second to De Machine by three and a quarter lengths. Just a bit outpaced, but it was reported that he did lose a shoe. Um, he's not really had much of a summer campaign before, so maybe this has been in their sights, but um, Man of the Mountain for me. Yeah, I wouldn't pee off him at all. He's quite well handicapped now. He's only one pound above his last winning mark, and I think yeah, I think the the ground is absolutely key to him, and he's definitely got to be on your radar. Our former jumps man, Paul. Um, do we have one uh, here at Market Raisin? Yeah, quite. Peter Bowen has would have a good record in this race, and I've gone with for that reason. I've gone with Frankie de Berle, previous winner of the race. He won it off one hundred and thirty off handicap mark of one three seven last year. He was last seen finishing third of 16 over three mile and two at Utoxler back on the 26th of June. And I think his every chance of repeating last year's victory off of Marco 139, just two pounds higher than last year's win. Sean Bowen takes over from brother James. And um, yeah, I think it's Frankie de Burley for me. Yeah, I think, uh, again, he's another one you have to consider. Peter Byrne, you have to sit up and take note. I think he's won this race seven times during his career. And uh, Frankie de Burle looks like his main hope. How about you, Mark? Have you got one uh, here? Yeah, the Bowen yard, they're absolutely flying at the moment, aren't they? A 29% strike rate. Um, everything goes to the front. Just They don't seem to get caught. That's course and distance form. I think of 139, this one can still be dangerous. But there's a couple in here as well. I think the pipe horses are interesting, but I don't think they're that well handicapped. There's one that I liked um, at a price. It was a Seamus Mullins. Um, Michael, Michael Nolan takes a ride on Mahal's Promise, um, Course and Distance winner. I think this one done it well last time out over Course and Distance. I think this one off, what he's running off, what, 127. I still think this one's got a little bit of improvement there. Um, 
one thing as well is that I don't know if he listens to this podcast for Will Brian, but I don't think his horse has actually been running that well. Um, scarily enough, I'm looking at this in 26% strike rate, but every time I've watched them, they've got beat. I think Mortalak, you know, probably be placed leading that one. I just don't think his horse are running that well at the moment. Uh, I might have a slight bias, but that's what will probably play this race. I'll be on Mahler's promise each way, and I'll probably place Lee Mortalak in the win place. Okay, so that rounds off then the summer plate at Market Raisin. We've got one more race we're going to look at on the Saturday, which is the main race over in Ireland at the Curragh. It's the 3.45, the Irish Oaks. And Emily Upjohn is looking to get some redemption here. She's your current 2-5 to favourite. We've then got Magical Lagoon at 7-2. Emily Dickinson at 14-1. to And bigger are the rest. We've actually got the dead eight runners, so we've got a good each-way angle here, potentially. Mark, I'll come to you here first. You are a layman. Um, Emily Upjohn, do we think she's worth a lay at those kind of prices? Yeah, I actually did some content on this yesterday, and uh, Tuesday was, was in there, but obviously this one's not being declared. I had the opinion that Emily Upjohn was just too short. It's currently around one to two um, on all, all sports books at the moment. Um, everyone had this argument that she was she was a massive unlucky loser. She's two to five now in place. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible but I mean when I went, it, it, when I'd done it I was, I was on Racing Post Live at the time right and everybody was like oh she was an unlucky loser but then upon reflection she was actually in front of Tuesday half me a furlong and a half out I, I just think she had every chance um, Tuesday disappointed next time out perhaps the form isn't that great from Epsom I mean I think you'd be mad taking two to five here I think she's a lay do you know what right what price is she in the place I haven't got that up in front of me at the moment. You know, I might even take a chance and play Slayer. I think she could blow up. She was slowly away at Epsom. They're not going to give Frank an easy time of it. There's pacemakers in this race as well. Could she, could she, I mean, Spiral got beat at Newmarket as well, 1 6, 1 7. Could, could Emily Upjohn blow up here and be out of the places? You couldn't be backing at 2 of 5, I'm sorry. Like, honestly, if you're backing at 2 of 5, get a revolver and blow your head off. Like, it's insane. Don't do it. I, I can definitely uh, see you. See your point there. Um, she, she, she ultimately... When the stops, stop. <laughs> I can see your point there. She ultimately has the best form, arguably the best form in the race. She is the highest rated and probably deserves probably to be that short. But I get your 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 questions over her. Um, I think the form's any good. Yeah, well, we've had Nashua come out and win a group one since. So it's, I she don't think... She didn't handle the course. She didn't handle the course. And, and, I mean, Holly gave her a great ride. Winning, winning that race. I don't. Maybe the form's no good. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. But um, I, I do agree. With you. She is a little bit too short, and there's definitely, I think, a, an angle in here where you can have each way. Um, but I, w- I wouldn't want to say that she can't win this race. But uh, each to our own. How about you though, Liz? Uh, we're going to be dull and boring and go for Emily up, John. Yeah, it looks like I'm going to blow my head off. <laughs> Um, yeah, I am. I, I can't see past her, to be honest. Um, and I think she should have won the the, the English Oaks version. But uh, yeah, narrowly denied, I think. And those two are pretty clear with the rest. Um, I wonder if that ride may have played a part in the temporary fallout between uh, trainer and jockey. Um, so it'd be good to see how she's ridden this time. But um, looking at the rest of the field, I guess you could say that I think her main opposition is, is Magical Lagoon of Jessica Harrington's, who stayed on well to win the Ribblesdale Stakes at Royal Ascot, which was over one mile three. Um, but yeah, Emily Upjohn, I think she's really classy and she, I think she should come back out on top. 
Do you think genuinely, you know, people are blaming the ride from Frankie, and obviously they blamed the ride on Stradivarius as well. And obviously, first time I watched it, I thought it was his as well, his fault. Do you think it's maybe the gods and horses aren't running to their peak and they're just blaming Frankie, or do you think it's genuinely jockey error? Looking back on the races, I not that I'm a jockey or has even ridden a horse, but <laughs> I think it's jockey error. How many times has he rode Stradivarius? I know we're up to the Frankie Bashing episode, but when he rode. Stradivarius like two or three times before Goodwin and stuff has got the horse got him out of trouble as well so Frankie's on board again today could, could he get could he make an arse of it here as well well I think it's uh, I, I think it would be really costly if he did but I can't see it okay we are one apiece there one for Emily up John and one against Paul you get the cast and vote who are we siding with Emily up John if she um, bar disaster again like Epsom was a disaster Um. And like she was last of, of the eleven runners, like Tordon was coming around Tatton Corner, like, and she still was only beating a short head. Do you know? Had she jumped out, had she jumped with the fields and held a held a prominent position early, like you'd imagine on the ground she's made up, um, she would have been a ready winner of the Oaks. I think if she gets away on terms, I think she she wins. I think she's the best horse in the fields. Um, do you know what happened at Epsom? Happened. And I don't. I don't think Epsom was necessarily. I don't, I don't think Epsom was Frankie's fault. I think it was just one of those things. I do think it was a contributing factor to other aspects that was going on. I think there was maybe more going on. I, I wouldn't say more, as in, you know, numerically more going on. But I, I reckon there was events happening off the track that was contributing as well. But um, Frankie's been he's been riding midweek in the on the all weather, um, so you know he's keeping his eye and he's keeping sharp. And um, I think Emily Upjohn, if she gets away on terms, by disaster, I think she wins here. And I think Karji Gajo can follow her home. She's won her last two. I was really impressed with her on her last couple of starts. She's won a couple of small runner races. She will need to improve to to follow Emily Upjohn home. But she's a horse that she's won her last two. Comes here in good form. And um, I think Karji Gajo might just outrun her odds here and follow Emily Upjohn home. Yeah, she's. How do you think everyone? This is an interesting. I'm looking at the O'Brien owners. How do you think he's going to deploy the O'Brien owners here? Which one do you think's the, the, the obviously the trier? But like, which one do you think's out there to to win the race? And which ones are going to be the pacemakers? Hard to say. I was actually personally myself going to put up Emily Dickinson as a good each way bet at fourteen to one, if it, as it stands. I thought the the run last time out at, at Leopardstown, where she was only beaten by a short head, was a was a good run. Her damn Chikatita. Uh, won this race uh, a few years ago. Uh, I reckon she's actually been brought along quite slowly for this race. She was 5-6, to six, remember, to win the, the Lingfield Oaks trial. Maybe she just didn't handle the track on that, that occasion. But for me, I, I think she's she's an interesting filly in this race. It, going, going against that, though, Ryan Moore has chosen Toy, which is well, a bit... either 25-1. That's what I'm thinking as well. He would have got first pick, wouldn't he? Surely. That is the head scratcher. I mean, she's a full sister to, to Glen Eagles and happily, you know, some some good horses. Um, but I don't know. She's done nothing after a maiden win. Yeah, exactly. She's she, she she's one of those horses that we see in higher regard, but it's a, it's a head scratcher when you look at the likes of Emily Dickinson. She is the one with, with the recent form. Um to, to suggest that she should be probably the Bally Doyle number one. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Well, if Emily Dickinson stays on mile six, surely they're going to use one of these as a pacemaker and just try and outstay Emily up, John. Maybe then Emily Dickinson's the one to stay her. 
It'd be interesting to see what happens, but yeah, I think Emily Emily Upjohn, she's there. It's it's there for all to see. Uh, she's got favourites chance. It's just some of those question marks. Is Frankie going to be at the top of his game? Are maybe the gods and horses running a little bit below par? Is she is she hit her peak now and might um, might be vulnerable to other fillies that could be improving at faster rates than us? It's going to be an interesting watch. But yeah, that's I'm looking off. forward to Twitter on Saturday about five to four and just typing Frankie Dettori after it all goes wrong. Like I'm actually looking forward to it, you know. Yeah, well, we'll have to see what happens. But yeah, if, if she does get beat, Frankie won't be everybody's favourite person on Twitter, that's for sure. Okay, so that rounds off the main races we're going to be looking at. Uh, we're moving on to the section of the podcast now where we look at any other fancies this weekend. Uh, I'll come to you first, Paul. Sometimes you have some um, fancies for the listeners. Anything this weekend that they should be keeping an eye out for? I actually don't, Chris, this weekend. Um, I just kind of got a, a quick look at the, the races that we covered. Um, I suppose one topic that we never covered, not betting related, I suppose, well, maybe, yeah, the whip was uh, quite a, an interesting talking point yet again. Um, following the the updated rules that are going to be enforced, I think is it come the autumn time. Yeah, the whip rules. That's been one of the major talking points this week. I mean, I, I think personally, if they overuse the whip, I don't think I don't think there's any harm of disqualifying them. Um, but I don't know. What about you? What about you? How do you see it? Um, you were a jockey. You've been in that situation. Do you think that horses should be disqualified? Yeah, I do. Um, I think it'll stop it. It's, it's, it's as it's been documented in the last couple of days. We'd say if, if you if you break the rules, like, and um, you're still allowed to keep the race and what have you, in, in no other sport that would happen, you know. Um, I don't think if a horse doesn't run for two smacks, the horse won't run for twenty two smacks. I found the stick myself more beneficial midway through a race. Maybe if a horse was racing a little lethargic. Just to get them concentrating, maybe if one was jumping a bit sloppy or what have you. Um, but I'd, I'd say a jockey like if you watch, if you watch ten races on Saturday or even on a Friday afternoon, it come the finish of the race, the, the, the horses in the finish they're not getting smacked that much. Like like Christoph Sumion rode a winner there at Longchamp earlier this afternoon, and he never hit the horse, but the second was getting hit. So arguing does the horse that's getting hit run faster for the whip? No, it doesn't. Like it, it helps some horses, doesn't help others. I'd say the sticks probably use more in flat race maidens to get the horse down to the start. You know how many times have, even I don't go on a bit here, but how many times have you seen a, a maiden or what have you a race being lost where the jockey's took his hand out, he's gone to hit hit the horse, he's not gathered his reins up properly, he's gone to hit the horse, and the horse is veered off off a, a true line, and the race is lost. Um, I'd imagine a lot of the uproar seems to have come from kind of a lot of the jockeys where doesn't don't seem to have been consulted about it. Um, so I think that should be looked at. It's the jockeys ultimately that are using the, the whip at the end of the day. But it looks to me like we're heading down a road uh, for that the whip's going to be banned eventually, I think. And I think the general public's perception to the betting public's perception are completely different. Like if you're having a bet... You know, to people maybe who haven't have no say horse experience directly, say having ridden a horse or what have you. If you're having a bet and you're watching a race and you feel that your your horse isn't, you're not allowed to use the whip. Do you feel like you're getting maximum run for your money if you're not seeing that horse being hit? Probably not. 
um, where the general public, if they're going, they probably don't like to see an animal getting hit. So I think the general public's perception and the betting public are, would be two different perceptions. But um, yeah, I, th- I, I don't know. I'm not like, I think we have the best horsemen and, and jockeys in the world. So I think taking it, I think ultimately saying that they can't ride a horse if you took the whip off them is, I think, is ridiculous. Um, but I, would, I, I wouldn't ban it totally. I would ban it for none other than safety purposes if that's the route we're going. And just get it over with, as opposed to to kind of prolonging it. See if they see the first time you do it, the first person that gets banned, and they see this is just going to happen, then it'll just be a deterrent. People will stop straight away. Like, yeah. But you, if you know you're going to get, if say if it happens at Wolverhampton Lingfield, somebody loses the race, and they say if you do this at Ascot Group One, you lose the race. No one will do it. Like Hannigan would have lost that race. Sumian would have lost that race. You know those big races. It's just like the first person going to get the bullet, and then that's it. Done. Like and, and the studies like that have shown like the hands and heels races that are in that are in place at the moment. There's no the times of the races aren't any different. So the horses are running just as fast, not being hit, and there's less riding offences, less careless riding offences in the hands and heels races. So, do you know, this will really benefit proper horsemen as well. Like people like Spencer, like proper jockeys, like people imagine Paul yeah. Harbury without the whip. Yeah, no. I think like it will it'll benefit like the hardest like you have no idea how hard it is to actually put down your stick and get in behind a horse and actually push it out hands and heels it is so difficult like the, the easiest thing to do is just to, to pick up the stick and flail around um you didn't look modest there you know <laughs> trying to um no it's just the easiest thing like the weaker jockeys will struggle because the whip's taken off them but it, it'll make them better riders i think overall like I've ridden out in yards where the whips where you're not allowed to, to carry whip and it's not been a problem. Do you know someone like a like a Brian Hughes over the jumps? He's he's really hands on, isn't he? He'd be really good without the whip. Yeah. It's actually it makes a really interesting like betting angle as well, because any any jockey who's good with his hands, bridal jockey, they're gonna be invaluable in these races, aren't they? Moving forward. Yeah. yeah, no, I, th- I think it it'll be it'll be if everyone's on a level playing field, I think that's the that's the main the main thing I think but I, it looks that it looks like that's the road we're going down and if that's the road we're going down you might as well get it over and done with it we've been with going it. down this road for a long time I remember as a kid they're talking about getting rid of the whip and it's just never happened but yeah, I guess I think, if they just dilute it all the time that's probably what will happen yeah I think so It'd be interesting to see what happens. I think they've got a few months still, and there's a couple of, I think, a couple of hurdles still to go over. But if it does get passed, then I think it's going to take place in the autumn. And it'd be interesting to see what happens. I'm personally, I think that horses, uh, if if a jockey does overuse the whip, I think the disqualification is a good incentive, is a good deterrent. But it'd be interesting to see what happens um, come the autumn then. So that's Paul's uh, talking point. Um, how about you, Mark? Um, you got, oh, How about you, Mark? Have you got any uh, fancies this weekend away from the races we were looking at? Not really. Um, taking it easy. I've got a couple of Brian Ellison runners tomorrow, but that's a bit... <laughs> Yeah, keep those quiet, keep those quiet. And how about you, Liz? Anything for the listeners they should be looking at? Um, no, nothing for me either, other than obviously being there in person on Saturday at Newbury. Um, yeah, no- nothing. Yeah, just uh, remember those Craig Davids. And it's the last one you're going to be on for a little while because you're going on holiday. So hope you enjoy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, just a week in Ibiza, the sun, the alcohol. <laughs> on the beach (laughs) so yeah be good
So then, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks again uh, to Liz, uh, Paul and Mark for giving up their time. Hopefully we've given you some winners this week. You can follow us on the platforms of Spotify, Apple and SoundCloud. We're also as well on the socials at Twitter and Insta. Please gamble responsibly. Hopefully you have a good weekend and we'll be seeing you again soon.